Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with my co-anchor, sister, and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's good. I can't believe it's time for a Monday show. We are going to have a doozy of a week here in True Crime uh, world because besides all of our regular programming this week, we have a what's still slated to be a two-day hearing in the uh, belligerent turd circus, also known as the uh, Daybell debacle. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And this case, just starting this case, which is today's case, which is just the beginning of a its own belligerent turd circus, trust me. Oh, yeah. if, if you all have watched the TV show Yellowstone, uh-huh. this is the Yellowstone of South Carolina. Right. This These is the, the Duttons, Duttons of South Carolina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy canary people. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm good. I've just been, I've been learning a lot about some people that, wow. Big Lots of yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this case started, like, I've heard a little about it and read some things here and there. And we were just busy with other cases and didn't uh, jump in on this one. And I finally realized this case is a gold mine, really, for true crimers. It's got so much information. There's so many sub-investigations. Why aren't we bringing this case to you guys? So here we are. So this is, uh, we called this episode Murdoch Family Values. This is about the Alex Murdoch family from South Carolina uh, and his wife and two sons. So we're going to what we're going to do today is just lay out the timeline as best we know it. And then mm-hmm. we will open up some other investigations, you know, and continue to investigate on this for a while because there's a lot. There's no way to do this in one episode. You wouldn't want us to. But no. we'll give you the timeline today. And then we'll spin off from there. So we're actually going to start in 2015. So in 2015 in Hampton, in Hampton County, South Carolina, where the Murdoch's lived, a boy named Stephen Smith was killed uh, in a controversial homicide, officially ruled as a hit and run. But the uh, investigation, even from the... uh, Highway Patrol doesn't really support that. Uh, His injuries, he had uh, a lot of injuries on his head and face and left arm. And it, some people believe that it seemed like a setup crime scene. Investigators said that as they started investigating this and talking to people, there was one name that kept coming up that nobody wanted to say. And that was the name of Murdoch. And the investigator said um, he was from Charleston and he, the name Murdoch did not put fear into him the way it did other people. And he was like, why? What the hell? But it seemed as though whatever was happening or had had happened to the Vic, um, nobody was talking. And 
nobody ever was charged in his death. It's still an open homicide. Right. His mother just recently said, her name is Sandy Smith. She told the New York Post recently that she's suspicious of how the Murdaugh double homicide investigation, don't worry, we'll get there, is being handled. She said, I think they're setting up a fake crime scene just like they did with my son. I'm not buying it. I saw how they handled what happened to Stephen. Very interesting. Yeah. So we don't know for sure, but we do know that, well, we'll get there. Actually, I'm going to stick to the timeline. We'll, we'll get it all on the table. So this was in 2015. Uh, the son that would have been closest to that age and who had friends that were uh, potentially in trouble or, or, you know, being looked at for that crime was Buster, the older son. Mm -hmm. So just bear that in mind, though. They weren't charged, but that was uh, Buster is the one that they were uh, potentially indicted or, uh, you know, accusing or whispering mm -hmm. about, whispering sure. about. All right. Now let's move forward to 2018. In 2018, the Murdaugh's 57-year-old longtime housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, died on site as a result of injuries sustained in a trip and fall accident. That's what was said initially. She had been their housekeeper for 25 years. She was very much a part of their family. Poor woman, my God. Mm -hmm. But the problem is there's some inconsistencies around her death because on the death certificate, the manner of death is ruled natural. But that's inconsistent with Injuries sustained in a trip and fall accident. Right. So it does appear as though maybe Gloria Satterfield's death was uh, covered up. What we're discovering is that the Murdaughs had friends everywhere. The thing you have to know is that the Murdaugh family were the prosecuting attorneys in this town from like the early 1900s. 1920s. Yeah, clear up until not long ago. Right. And they've had an enormous amount of power and influence in the area. Now, Alex Murdaugh is not a prosecutor, but he is an attorney or mm -hmm. has been an attorney. Uh, and they have a huge law firm there that actually practices in three different towns. Right. So that's why it seems as though maybe this family is able to... Uh, have favor with the law or, uh, you know, mm -hmm, create mm -hmm. their own laws because they have been able to do that for a long time. Well-known, wealthy, connected, you know, mm -hmm. you know, the story <laughs> we've all heard it many a time. Well, you know, the quintessential good old boys, right? Exactly. Yep. So, Interesting things in Gloria Satterfield's death. She had. <coughs> Bless you. Oh, I reached for the mute and didn't get there fast enough. I apologize. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what you all needed. Someone sneezing in your ear first thing today. Okay. <laughs> uh, there were some other strange things with her death. It was not reported to the coroner at the time of the death. And an autopsy was never performed. 
So there's some big worries there. Yeah. So the funeral home just picked her up? Apparently. Yeah. With no questions asked? Mm-hmm. Ooh, after an accident? After an accident? Yeah. Yeah, guys. That's even dumber than the coroner in Fremont County, Idaho. Oh, my right? goodness. Well, this is just continually, uh, you know, continuing the uh, pattern of this family doing whatever the hell they want and getting mm-hmm. away with it. Well, and being well connected. Like, you could, like who could just call up a funeral home and be like, yeah, our, our, um, our uh, housekeeper, housekeeper died. Helen so... and died. Can you just come get her? Yeah. Most people would be like, uh, you need to call the police. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, very much so. Wow. So there's continued litigation with uh, her sons. So her sons, get this, Alex Murdoff connects her sons with an attorney who is his friend and asks that attorney to help them to sue him uh, due to her death so that his insurance will pay them. Sneaky little shithead. Mm-hmm. And the That's attorney is not Corey Fleming. Legal, is it? Mm. Corey Fleming is the attorney that uh, represented them. And his name comes up in uh, various cases with these guys a few times. But yes. So he doesn't so, want to have to pay anything out of pocket. He wants this to come from his insurance. Yes. So they settle for mm. $500,000 and the boys never get it. So, you know, that was clear back in 2018, 2019. They've never received that settlement. And so they have just sued the uh, Murdoch family estate and have received a a larger settlement to, uh, to help them out. But it sounds like also, according to the Daily Beast, as of September 15th, uh, the police are now probing her death as a potential manslaughter. Right. Like, uh, there like should, should have been, been all along. Mm-hmm. Right? There should have been an autopsy. Yep. yep. Oof, you guys. All right. So that was 2018. So let's keep going. In 2019, a group of six kids, young adults, Uh, decide to go boating and they stop and buy a bunch of alcohol before they get on the boat. Right. Good plan. Well, guess whose boat it is? Alex Alex Mm Murdoff. And his son, Paul, who at the time is 19, and a whole bunch of his friends are the ones on the boat. Well, As you can imagine, they got in a terrible accident, you know, because boating and drinking don't go hand in hand. So when they wreck the boat, they call 911 and they tell them that there were six of them and there are now five, but they're missing someone. Well, they Uh were missing 19-year-old Mallory Beach, and it took a week to locate Mallory's body, but she was killed in the accident. 
So immediately, the court solicitor, a guy named uh, by the last name of Stone, recuses himself because he's so connected to this family and the families of other kids on the boat, too. You've got Mm -hmm. a bunch of rich kids running together, doing whatever they want. Sounds like it. So Paul actually is indicted uh, on charges of boating under the influence, causing great bodily harm, and causing death in connection to the crash. And he pleads not guilty. So that is still pending uh, to from 2019. Mm. <laughs> still pending. Yeah. Boy. June 7th of this year, 2021, we're moving forward. Alex Murdaugh, about uh, 1030 at night, calls 911 and says that he has found his wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul, shot dead outside of their home. And the police get there and discover that they have both been shot multiple times from different guns. And they do believe that there must have been two assailants. But they don't have much going. But that has, mm-hmm. is an open investigation. That in itself has to be its own episode. But yeah, that's, yeah, we'll get way deeper into all that. Oh, yeah. So now we have Maggie and Paul are dead. And now, of course, we have old Alex and Buster uh, still, you know, in the picture. June 10th, just three days later, Randolph Murdaugh III dies peacefully at his home. Uh, That is the father of Alex. June 15th, the police uh, released some basic information about the killings. They say that Alex called at 10.07 p.m. They say we can continue to pursue all leads and the investigation is certainly active and ongoing at this time. We will continue to submit all forensic evidence to our forensic lab. We are committed to conducting a professional and thorough criminal investigation to bring justice in the deaths of Paul and Maggie. Of course, that was just in June, but it hasn't gone a whole lot further from then. Mm -hmm. So at this point, the public is starting to talk, you know, that, Uh, that, that makes national news. That killing makes national news. People are kind of starting to take a closer look at this family and start going, what the hell's going on with these people, right? Right. So then Alex's brothers decide that uh, they need to do some damage control. So they go on Good Morning America. And they say that Alex called them distraught with the news that his wife and son had been shot. They said they don't believe their brother is involved. Like, why did they need to do this? Yeah, you know, anytime you have to go public with this person is not guilty, mm-hmm. isn't it just right? And then your family just assumes you're not, you know, like, why do they have to go defend you? It just feels so Valoesque, esque, you know? Yeah, it's, it does. You know, the, the bro- one brother said, My brother loved Maggie and Paul like nothing else on this earth, just like he loves Buster. So there's no possible way he could have anything to do with this, I can assure you. You know, Buster Murdoch, you might just uh, get the hell out of there. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Well, and you know, it just, that really gets to me because, you know, I'm not even saying that Alex is guilty or that I think he is. I'm not saying any of that. But 
it's weird to me that they had to take to a national morning news show to just smooth it over and say, oh, yeah, he loves his family, so he's not guilty. Take our word for it. See, that's what these people have been doing in South Carolina for about the last hundred years. Right, know? right. Because isn't it the assumption that the father and husband in this situation loves his family? Why does anyone... Right. Was anyone questioning that? Was Very any, weird. You know, like... Yeah. Very weird. Yeah. It's just immediately suspicious to me when something like that happens. Yep. So on June 21st, uh, Maggie and Paul are laid to rest. Oh, actually, sorry. No, sorry. That was June 11th. They were laid to rest. Okay. They then, buried them? Hmm? They buried them? There were funeral what? services on June 11th for both of them. While this case is still open? Mm -hmm. Maybe they didn't bury him. Maybe they were just funeral services. I wonder because that's only Maybe. four days mm -hmm. after their deaths. Yeah, you would. It's well, who awesome. knows? Who knows? Because it seems like uh, things with this family aren't doing correct. You know, who doing knows? Correctly, because yeah. it's also only one day after Randall Mur Randolph Murdoch dies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, now to do some research on that to find out if they actually buried their bodies or if yeah. their bodies are still being held as evidence. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on June 22nd, after they have been, you know, searching the home of Alex Murdoch to in their investigation to try and figure out who killed Paul and Maggie, the law enforcement announces that they are reopening an investigation into the unsolved death of 19-year-old Stephen Smith, whose body was found in Hampton County, based on information gathered while investigating the deaths of Maggie and Paul. So something they found in their home, on their phones, something helped them to reopen Stephen's death. So for his mother's sake, my God, I hope they get some justice for that boy. Boy, I sure think <clears throat> so. Because, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, nothing, nothing feels right here at all. Mm -hmm. So the tangled web just continues to roll. So on June 25th, Alex and Buster announce a hundred thousand dollar reward for information leading to the conviction of the person or persons responsible for the killing of Maggie and Paul. On June 22nd, uh, law enforcement releases redacted audio of Alex's 911 call. I think it's interesting because it seems as though this family has been uh, afforded a lot of discretion over the years. And this case got to be big and national really fast, and they haven't had the opportunity to have the kind of discretion they've had in the past. Right. Or privacy or you know yeah they don't have their same level of elephants swept under have. rugs yeah well yeah. especially where randolph murdoch died because he was the last member of the family that was the local prosecuting attorney yeah the rest the, then then they elected someone else yeah um oh no they didn't elect uh the governor appointed someone who was not 
a murder. Right. That's right. In 2005, which I found, find interesting if mm-hmm. this was the governor's way of maybe breaking the nepotism that had been going on in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, now Randolph Murdoch is dead. So they don't really have any leg to stand on anymore, do they? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Just seems like the house of cards is coming down, you know, it really is. Yeah. So remember solicitor stone who recused himself from Paul's charges and all of that stuff with the boat. Yeah. Well, on August 11th, he writes a letter to South Carolina attorney general, uh, Alan Wilson says he's recusing himself from the Murdoch death investigation. He writes that the request comes considering the events today in law enforcement's investigation, but does not provide further details. Wow. Well, that I think is very interesting. So that's August 11th. Move forward to Friday, September the 3rd. Alex Murdoch resigns from his law firm. This is the firm Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Eltsroth and Dietrich. Mm-hmm. Well, later on, of course, we know that uh, the law firm announces that uh, they've discovered that Alex has stolen a whole bunch of money from them. Yes. So we're not sure if they figured that out and made him resign or if he resigned first. We, well, we might get to that. I've, I've read varying reports on that, so I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. But um, turns well, out they're, kind of, they're covering their own asses publicly. Yeah, think, on that. yeah. But turns out he's a big damn thief. Yeah. Okay. On September fourth, Alex Murdoch calls nine one one and reports that he was shot. Early Saturday afternoon on a road in Hampton County. So he says that he was driving down the road and that there was, he seemed to have a low tire and he got out to investigate his tire and that a car drove past and stopped to talk to him and shot him in the head. A guy shot him in the head. He also says that this car turned around in the church parking lot and turns out the church has lots of video, uh, lots of cameras. And the story he tells about this car doesn't match up, which starts everybody wondering what's uh, what's going on right here right now. You mean Alex Pillar of the community who seems to be honest in every way? What? Right. So Mm. he's taken to the hospital. He's treated for superficial gunshot wound to the head. On Monday, how September lucky are you to get a superficial gunshot wound to the head? Right. You know? I mean, how often do you get that? Yeah. And how unlucky is this guy? I mean, first his <laughs> wife and son are shot and murdered at his home. Now mm-hmm. some rando just shows up on the road and shoots him too and tries to kill him. Gosh, Alex, life seems real hard for you. I wonder it why. Does yeah. So Monday, September sixth, he releases a statement through his attorney. The murders of my wife and son have caused an incredibly difficult time in my life. 
I have made a lot of decisions that I truly regret. I'm resigning from my law firm and entering rehab after a long battle that has been exacerbated by these murders. I am immensely sorry to everyone I've hurt, including my family, friends, and colleagues. I ask for prayers as I rehabilitate myself and my relationships. And checked himself into rehab, apparently for opioids. Okay, so if he really has an addiction problem, okay, I empathize. But is this not every rich person's way of getting out of being mm-hmm. responsible for something criminal is to go to rehab? Go I mean, that rehab. is the most cliche mm-hmm. crap I've ever heard. It's either a psychiatric hospital mm-hmm. or a rehab. How many times have we seen that? Yep. Like, I'm sorry, but that is just a flashing sign that says I'm guilty of something. Yep, totally. So then, on Tuesday, September 7th, the law firm says that Murdaugh resigned after the discovery that Alex misappropriated funds and violated their standards and policies. This is disappointing news for all of us. Rest assured that our firm will deal with this in a straightforward manner. There's no place in our firm for such behavior, the law firm says. Yeah, trying to cover their asses. Right. Very next day, Wednesday, September the 8th, the South Carolina Supreme Court issues an order suspending Alex Murdaugh's license to practice law in the state. It is a temporary uh, suspension until they uh, can investigate further. But as of uh, that date, he has been stripped of his privilege uh, of uh, prosecuting cases. Right. Well, of just being an attorney in general. Yeah. I don't think he was a prosecutor, was he? Well, he was actually a volunteer prosecutor. Oh, okay. So now he's done. Yep. Wow. All right. So now one of the brothers, this time he doesn't actually go on, uh, you know, Good Morning America, but he does put out a statement. I was shocked just as the rest of my family to learn of my brother Alex's drug addiction and the stealing of money. I love my law firm family and also love Alex as my brother. While I will support him in his recovery, I do not condone, support, or excuse his conduct in stealing by manipulating his most trusted relationships. I will continue to pursue my client's interests with the highest degree of honesty and integrity as I always have. So, of course, now his brother's like... You know, cleaning shit yeah. up again because and distancing himself. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, first of all, we didn't at first. We didn't. He's done nothing wrong. And now it's like, well, if he did, uh, I want nothing to do with that jackass. You know? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Thursday, September the ninth. It's like every day something's happened. This is when his attorney does uh, specify that he has an opioid addiction. And that he's in the early stages of treatment at an undisclosed location. Mm -hmm. Code in hiding. Of course. On September 10th, a family spokesperson issues a statement about the shooting that indicates that the injury was more serious than a superficial wound. After the shooting, Alex had an entry and exit wound. His skull was fractured and it was not a self-inflicted bullet wound, according to the statement. The spokesperson also, now who's the statement, or the spokesperson, I wonder. wonder. Family spokesperson. Could be one of the attorneys. Probably. 
The spokesperson also added more details about what led up to the incident. Alex pulled over seeing a low tire indicator light. A male driver in a blue pickup asked him if he had car troubles. As soon as Alex replied, he was shot, the statement said. We know that law enforcement is continuing to work diligently to find this person and the person or people that murdered Maggie and Paul Murdoch. Now, that isn't exactly the statement that he gave in the first place, but okay. Monday, September 13th, law enforcement releases a statement announcing it has opened an investigation into Alex Murdoch based on allegations that he misappropriated funds in connection to his position as a former lawyer with Peters Murdoch Parker, blah, 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 in mm -hmm. Hampton, South Carolina. The police are like, people have had enough of this shit. I bet. And the police keep giving these statements like, please uh, be patient. Please don't judge them. Over and over there. Please, uh, please reserve judgment. Please reserve judgment. We're working on this. Right, but people again. are like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is too much shit to happen to one family. Something's yeah. going on here. Mm -hmm. And again, they say, uh, as chief, I continue to urge the public to be patient and let this investigation take its course. Investigative decisions we make through this case and any potentially related cases must ultimately withstand the scrutiny of the criminal justice process. Well, if they make it that far. Right. As with all cases, we are committed to conducting a professional, thorough, and impartial criminal investigation, no matter where the facts lead us. See, one thing that we had learned early on is that there have been times in the past where one of the Murdoch family might have been in trouble, and the prosecutor just chose to not prosecute. Right. And so it's, the public has had enough, you know, mm -hmm. and they don't think that well, I'm sure that being community is well aware that they are a family that's gotten away with way too much and, mm -hmm. you know, has been someone that you were afraid to get involved with because mm -hmm. you might be the one to get burned. And Right. People are afraid of, of them. Things are really coming apart here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Tuesday, September 14th. Authorities say they have charged a man in Murdoch's shooting. And watch the they finally allege it was a conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. So according to their affidavit, they say that Murdoch conspired with this guy named Curtis Edward Smith. He provided him with the firearm and told him to drive past and shoot him in the head. So the purpose supposedly was to kill him so that his son could collect a life insurance payout of $10 million. <laughs> Did he forget I'm still to leave out sold. the part? <laughs> Did he forget to leave out the part where he was supposed to end up dead in this situation? Right. I mean, <laughs> what gives Curtis Edward Smith? You're just a super bad shot, or is that you're not a terrible quite assassin? True? Yeah. Or was this to try to shine uh, light away from Alex on the other murders? Right. So hmm. Smith is right, or away from Buster. Right, so, because you sure are not hearing Buster's name anywhere here. He's not yeah. making any public statements. Mm -mm. He's very quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Curtis Smith is a former drug dealer. I'm going to assume that's how our, uh, our, you know, hero to zero knows him. But 
Mm-hmm. At any rate, uh, he's been charged with assisted suicide, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, pointing and presenting a firearm, and assault and battery of high and aggravated nature, according to authorities. And Murdoch is described as a co-defendant in the affidavit, though no charges have been filed, announced his attorney. Of so he has no also, charges he's so charged far. with assisted suicide. Right. Come on, man. What? Right. <laughs> so, so far, he's being investigated for being a big damn thief from the law firm. And he's named as a co-conspirator in this fraudulent hoax. And yet he hasn't had any charges filed yet. You know, because him's in rehab. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. So I don't also, think that very confused by the assisted suicide. Is this not attempted murder? Not right? assisted suicide. First of all, he didn't die, so it's not a suicide. Second of all, he shot the guy in the head. Isn't that attempted murder? I don't know. I Maybe don't. I don't understand South Carolina law, but that seems like a very strange thing to charge this guy with. I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So that's where it's at right this minute. Wow. So at this point, uh, we're still waiting to see what charges will be filed against Alex. Uh, I don't think the public's going to let law enforcement let this one go. I think no, he I will have so. to have some charges. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what state of shambles his uh, finances must be in, but it doesn't seem good. Yes, no. However, that, uh, I don't even know what you should call it, the fortress in which he and his family have lived is something like 115 acres. Oh, wow. It's some, you know, big splendiferous, you know, mansion Mm -hmm. with all of this land and everything. And I mean, there's got to be a few options, though. does make you wonder if he's, you know, in debt, clear up to his eyeballs or what. And obviously had... Has had a drug issue. You can tell me it's opioids all you want, but uh, I'm guessing that's not true. You know, I don't think that people often need to steal massive amounts of money from their law firm to pay for opioids. Yeah. This seems like a much more expensive addiction. It sure does. Yep. Also, if he owes money and is involved with drug dealers, is that? Does that have something to do with the death of his wife and son? Right. Um, you know, I have many, many questions, obviously. We will cover right. in <laughs> in future episodes. But yeah, this is yeah. a giant hot mess. Yes. So we we pulled on our hip waders and we, you know, went ahead and waded into the deep end today. But we will break it down. But we figured the best way to open an investigation on this case was to lay out a timeline. So then we can go back to each individual instance and dig deeper into each one of them. So that's our intention moving forward. Uh, But now, you know, this is who the Murdaws are, what's going on with them and why uh, we thought you guys would be interested in this case. Well, I know you will be because you love these kinds of stories, as do I. Yeah, wild business. Mm -hmm. So this is our Monday case. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new case. 
We will also be back via live stream at 9 a.m. Tuesday morning. That's 9 a.m. Mountain Time to for the Belligerent Herd Circus. This is the hearing in which uh, the judge is supposed to decide whether or not we are changing venues for the uh, capital murder trial of Chad Daybell and then Lori Vallow once she's biffed up and uh, out of the mental hospital. So it's a big deal. Right. It's a really big deal. And we did learn on Thursday that attorneys are, or the prosecutors are hoping to argue to bring in a jury from out of town and sequester them rather than move venue. So it's going to be interesting. It got pretty heated there for a minute on Thursday in court Yes, uh, between uh, Pryor and uh, Prosecutor Wood. Uh, yeah. Also keep an eye on our Facebook page. We will be publishing a bingo card so that yes, you can play Pryor bingo during the hearing because, uh, you know, that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we know we know the words that Pryor's going to say. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, Your Honor. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly. Also, if Voluminous comes up, I probably will start drinking. I'm just mm-hmm. going to say that I now. think so. I think so. Yeah. Well, we could also play, uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Red. How many uh, shades do we need for Pryor's face to match his tie? He'll get there. <laughs> oh, He'll get yeah. there. Yep. I'm a little concerned about his blood pressure, to be perfectly honest. Well, we're assuming that resting Toadface himself actually will be in court for this one. I would I'm assume sure he so. will be. Yes. Yeah. So that's what's coming. And then we'll be back Wednesday morning with a new case. And we might be back in court that day, too. We don't know. Yeah. It's slated to last two days, but the judge was trying to uh, <laughs> convince them last week they could keep this at one day. But <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> they all agreed to it, but we all know that John Pryor cannot stop talking. So I mm-hmm. think it's unlikely, but we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll find out. And then we'll be back Wednesday night for our typical uh, case updates. And there are quite a few, man. There's mm-hmm. just a lot happening right now. And then, of course, Thursday night for the Psychic Hour, and it will be Marching Orders uh, because it, of course, is the first show of the month. So, so much happening this week. So stick with us. Um, Yeah, and let us know what you think of this case. Uh, Do you you want more? You want more of the Murdoch family values? I know you do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You do. All right, guys. Well, take care. This has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks for being here. Thank you.